Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. Okay, quick hit as we move on and do some media stuff, because that Nickelodeon soundbite just fucking speaks for itself. Uh, FCC, enough is enough. We can no longer allow conservative media to lead Spanish-language misinformation campaigns. We covered it. The FCC told them to go fuck themselves. We're not doing that. That's fucking what Soviets do. Hmm. ABC News. Some social media advocates are worried about right-wing extremist groups could use Parler app to recruit individuals to other messaging spaces and fringe platforms that make it easier for spreaders of misinformation to do harm. And the entire world goes like this. Alternative headline. Some social media giants are afraid the narrative coming from the media can't be controlled on Parler. That's pretty much it. Jen Psaki gave cookies and the media was so happy i want to remind you that once uh huckabee talked about a pie and that was a seven fucking day thing about how horrible she is glenn greenwald stops brian seltzer per clutching threat about tucker carlson dead in his track i really hate them as you read this interview with tucker carlson about how much he hates the media remember that he works for a major media company that employs hundreds of journalists Carlson is right that journalism should always be upward. We should be doing the tough stories on the people with the most power. But he's clearly not reading much because that's what journalists are doing, he claims. There's no scrutiny on Jeff Bezos, for example. Really? Carlson touts his new streaming docuseries, 45 minutes an hour on a subject, basic journalism that's almost groundbreaking today. It doesn't really happen anymore. Huh. Tell that to the thousands of folks who are part of the decade-long documentary renaissance. In this part of the rant, Carlson likens journals to cringing animals are not worthy of respect. They're such cowards. Do you think I'm a coward too, Tucker? Yeah. And Glenn Greenwald just did one picture. Them going to Florida and harassing some lady about a Russian meme. How CNN found the Reddit user behind the Trump wrestling gift. That's just one. Just one. I when you don't even have a story about Biden wanting to still cancel motherfucking July 4th I mean what the fuck so I was gonna do a this is America but I'm not for time so I'm gonna play the biggest purveyor of false news on CNN Acosta with Auntie Maxine And I'm going to try to find the clip from Tucker to play at the end of the show. Because that Chicago thing is shocking. So let's listen to Costa 
and get woke. He actually had us demonstrate. <laughs> we were all in the jury and we all were touching our necks, the front of our necks, the back of our necks, as he was saying, and we could feel what he was trying to make us feel. So that was interesting. And then I guess what really did it was when he said, right here at this point is where he had that seizure and this is where he died. So that's that's exactly what it was for me. Oh, y'all gonna kill me like Makai Bryant? Fuck. Are you gonna stab somebody like her? No, okay. she, but she called y'all for help. Fuck is you talking about? Get your goofy ass. I can't, and you just said that on camera. This shit going viral. This shit, oh, y'all and, and the lieutenant governor from North Carolina, if you could uh, help me understand, was the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments of the United States Constitution passed and moved by Republicans or Democrats? Right. And was the movement to be my, put your microphone on, sir. Uh, was that would the, be Republicans. Was the move for the 64 Civil Rights Act and 65 Voting Rights Act led heavily by Republicans or Democrats? Uh, that, that would be Republicans. And so as we sit here today, and as we're being accused by many of our colleagues on the other side of the aisle of wanting to somehow perpetuate the Jim Crow South, when in fact what we're trying to do is perpetuate laws that you can believe in that you've so eloquently discussed, do you see any merit in that whatsoever? Absolutely not. And just can I, if I have a moment just to add something, uh, you know, when you talk about that history, uh, that history is clear who stood on which side at every turn in history. It is clear. It's not even in dispute. And it's not in dispute now. What we want is integrity. We, we don't want power. We want integrity. We want the right thing to be done. We want to encourage citizens to be responsible. We want to have the best election system in the world. In the world. Third world countries, places like India where the poverty rate is staggering. They have to show that finger when they go vote. It's time that we modernize our election system in this country and stop playing all these silly games based on race. And please, Stop using me as a black man as your pawn. And yes, I said it, to push your agenda. I'm sick of it. It happened a long time ago in this country, and I'm tired Chairman, of it. Chairman, I would uh, ask that the witness answer the question. His time has expired. Mr. Chairman, uh, Mr. Chairman, Mr. Chairman, I just have a unanimous consent request for, to insert something. Unanimous consent to insert something in the register. Consent request. life would come down. In fact, the Republican Party has grown more radical, more radical in a specific way. It's become more catastrophically pessimistic. 
In one poll, people were asked, do you think politics is for policies or do you think it's for national survival? More than 50% of Trump voters think it's about national survival. Only 19% think government is about policies. Another survey question, people said, which of these two comments do you uh, more agree with? It's a big, beautiful world filled with people who are mostly good or our lives are threatened by criminals, terrorists and illegal aliens, immigrants. 75% of Biden voters supported big, beautiful world. 66% of Trump voters supported our lives are threatened. And welcome back to Flyover Politics Podcast. It's the 25th of April, year of our Lord, 2021. And that's a hell of an intro, but we'll break them all down as we go through it. Before we start this show, which sometimes when I come down here, I don't even want to podcast anymore. It's just so negative. Everything's so bad. It kind of sucks. And this sucks too. I want to start by honoring a fallen. This is Sergeant Troy Jenkins. It's an interesting story in my life because I carried a lot of guilt from his death. He was one of my soldiers. And to make a long story short, I came to a platoon that didn't have a good platoon sergeant. Nobody trusts the platoon sergeant. I come in two weeks later in a war zone. Nobody trusts me, including the platoon leader. And long story short, he didn't like following instructions. He was an ex-Marine, just had a really bad attitude. And he was a machine gunner when he shouldn't have been. He was an E5. And Ranger units, SF units, young E5s are still machine gunners, but... Most units, they become a team leader. They start leading. They put down the machine gun. So, long story short, every night I would go to the line in the perimeter when we first got to Kandahar, and you took off your day scope, and you went to your night vision scope on the machine guns. You had your nods mounted. You were ready for nighttime ops. That was my job as a platoon sergeant. And every night for about a week, he just blew me off. He never did it. Then he threatened to kick my ass. Then I came the one night, and he didn't do it, and I fired him on the spot. To his credit, the first sergeant, who became a bigwig, and then forgot who I was because we were friends, he backed me, and he got booted. He ended up getting busted down to E4, got promoted back quickly in combat, which is kind of weird. But he went to a different unit, and... I remember before I left to go to the Mojave, we bumped into each other, and he thanked me. And that was basically the saving grace I had from this, because then Iraq happens, and some kids walk up and toss a bomblet at some soldiers, and he jumps on it, and he saves everybody. Ended up dying on the plane to Germany. He uh, became a hero, was a squad leader again. He'd really turned himself around. So people all told me, well, it was because of you he turned himself around and became a hero. But either way, it never feels good when you find out a guy you fired in a war zone and he had to just pull shit details in Afghanistan. Dies. Every year I say I'm going to say something about him. But I never do. And this year, I did. 
So to the family of Troy Jenkins, we still remember oh so long ago that he laid down his life and gave the ultimate sacrifice for this country, which really seems to not care anymore. Well, once Obama got elected, we just didn't care anymore. And, uh, you know, there have been so many soldiers killed. At no time during the Afghanistan withdrawal did anybody talk about it. Because they just don't care. We're all just extremists now. Hmm. Okay. So, in our intro, we have the lady that shows she was one of the jurors. Cop talking shit. Freaking David Brooks coming back out. Tenant governor going off and one of my representatives losing his shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a hot mess. And the storming of the Oklahoma Capitol. I thought that was really great. Just really great. But that juror pretty much says what we all said and we knew. We all knew it. Fear of what would happen was just as much of a freaking subject in that room with all those jurors as the actual facts of the case. But I want to start on the Columbus real quick. And this is another Drew Holden epic thread. I love doing these. The number of outlets rushed to break to the break the news about a 16-year-old girl who was killed by Columbus police before we had any details tying it to the George Floyd verdict. And, and you can see him. I'm not going to read everything because you can read it. Other places raced to get the story out without context, including BBC, Newsweek's Reuters, and the Daily Beast who broke the original story that relied on account of a relative who basically just did the hands up, don't shoot. Then later that night, the body cam footage comes out, and we see that, uh, I guess, it's okay, forget about the knife? Of course it is. At the risk of being uncharitable, I'm sorry, I missed that one. NPR storyteller, here's a classic case of how outlets can set narratives that are too stubborn to yield to update information. Look at the number of retweets for supposed story versus the update. And you can you see this all the time. The fake news literally never gets redone. And others include, there were was body cam footage with deliberately a lead what the video actually shows, a police officer protecting a girl otherwise could have been killed. How can NBC News, MSNBC Newsweek, and BuzzFeed admit it? They, they still have? I don't know how you can watch the video and have these be the details that stand out to you if you're concerned about whether or not the officer did the right thing. And, and you see all these people, Roland Martin, Lamont Jenkins. I mean, it's just, it's the same old things. Other outlets, like Washington Post, fell back on the public outrage over the killing. Is it surprising that the community is upset when the mainstream media has painted an inaccurate picture? Of course not. They want us angry all the time. Lots of activists jumped on the cause. Facts be damned to push the narrative. It's intellectually disingenuous to conflate killing an unarmed civilian and an armed one threatening bodily harm. When that become controversial? 
to, to everything, every case. It, it just doesn't matter. Cops are just supposed to die because they're horrible people. There was also a rush to equate the experience of Bryant with the Kyle Rittenhouse, but that doesn't make sense. This isn't about apprehending suspects. It's about stopping an attempt to murder in progress. But, you know, they're going to do it because that's just what they do. Plenty of people just acting in bad faith. Professor Crunk, Valerie Jarrett, Bree Newsom, we covered them all. You know, let the 13-year-old die. We're, we're in a new world. Shank a bitch is what we're going to do. And it wasn't just activists. Corey Bush, Sherrod Brown covered it. Benjamin Crump covered it. The Daily Beast, what's the goal of this type of reporting? What benefit does the public get from it? Military trained marksman. What, what, are we going to shoot his hand? Are we Wyatt fucking Earp? Then you got LeBron. You, you you get it. You get it. But where's this? It happened the same time. It happens all the time. And, and they don't seem to care. Black kids are getting murdered at a rate that's insane. But they don't care. They don't care about black kids. BLM doesn't care. Media doesn't care. Nobody fucking cares that there's a fucking genocide going on. I mean, I watched the Benny report. He had closed captioned video from his house showing a black kid diving in his yard and hiding as a gang tried to kill him. So, as I want to do, I, I'm playing Heather McDonald again. Does the truth matter? Not to groups like Black Lives Matter. That's tragic for many reasons, not the least of which is that black lives are being lost as a result. When it comes to the subject of American police, blacks, and the deadly use of force, here is what we know. A recent deadly force study by Washington State University researcher Lois James found that police officers were less likely to shoot unarmed black suspects than unarmed white or Hispanic ones in simulated threat scenarios. Harvard economics professor Roland Fryer analyzed more than 1,000 officer-involved shootings across the country. He concluded that there is zero evidence of racial bias in police shootings. In Houston, he found that blacks were 24% less likely than whites to be shot by officers, even though the suspects were armed or violent. Does the truth matter? An analysis of the Washington Post's police shooting database and of federal crime statistics reveals that fully 12% of all whites and Hispanics who die of homicide are killed by cops. By contrast, only 4% of black homicide victims are killed by cops. But isn't it a sign of bias that blacks make up 26% of police shooting victims, but only 13% of the national population? It is not, and common sense suggests why. Police shootings occur more frequently where officers confront armed or violently resisting suspects. Those suspects are disproportionately black. According to the most recent study by the Department of Justice, although blacks were only about 15% of the population in the 75 largest counties in the U.S., 
They were charged with 62% of all robberies, 57% of murders, and 45% of assaults. In New York City, blacks commit over three quarters of all shootings, though they are only 23% of the city's population. Whites, by contrast, commit under 2% of all shootings in the city, though they are 34% of the population. New York's crime disparities are repeated in virtually every racially diverse city in America. The real problem facing inner city black communities today is not the police, but criminals. In 2014, over 6,000 blacks were murdered, more than all white and Hispanic homicide victims combined. Who is killing them? Not the police and not white civilians, but other blacks. In fact, a police officer is 18 and a half times more likely to be killed by a black male than an unarmed black male is to be killed by a police officer. If the police ended all use of lethal force tomorrow, it would have a negligible impact on the black death by homicide rate. In Chicago, through just the first six and a half months of 2016, over 2,300 people were shot. That's a shooting an hour during some weekends. The vast majority of the victims were black. During the same period, the Chicago police shot 12 people, all armed and dangerous. That's one half of 1% of all shootings. Does the truth matter? If it does, here's a truth worth pondering. There is no government agency more dedicated to the proposition that Black Lives Matter than the police. The proactive policing revolution that began in the mid-1990s has dramatically brought down the inner city murder rate and saved tens of thousands of black lives. Unfortunately, that crime decline is now in jeopardy. As I write in my book, The War on Cops, police officers are backing off of proactive policing in black neighborhoods thanks to the false narrative that police officers are infected with homicidal bias. As a result, violent crime is going up. In cities with large black populations, homicides in 2015 rose anywhere from 54% in Washington, D.C. to 90% in Cleveland. Overall, in the nation's 56 largest cities, homicides in 2015 rose 17%, a nearly unprecedented one-year spike. Many law-abiding residents of high-crime areas beg the police to maintain order, precisely the type of policing that the ACLU, progressive politicians, and the Obama Justice Department denounce as racist. This is tragic because when the police refrain from proactive policing, black lives are lost, lost because of a myth. The best research and data reach this conclusion. There is no evidence that police are killing blacks just because they're black. You now have the truth. Does it matter? I'm Heather McDonald of the Manhattan Institute for Prager University. While she's sending the pic, let's go so that I can run my checks on you. Huh? 
Yeah, so I can run my checks and I can talk to you a little bit while I'm running my checks and then you'll show me the picture right away because I got paperwork I got to do, you know? Hey, hey, real quick, real quick. You have a firearm on you? Yeah. Oh, no, I see I take it off you for my safety. All right, hold on, hold on, hold on. All right, let's go to my vehicle, okay? Come on. There he goes, there he goes! Fuck yeah! Watch out, watch out! Hey, get the fuck back! Now I know that's a horrible video. That happened this week. This very week. And I'm going to do this all out of order because I was going to go through the intro, but now I'm on a tangent. I don't think enough is said about white pathology obsessing with possessing and consuming black people's bodies because we're cannibals. Because the normalization of white supremacy means so much emphasis is placed on otherizing the non-white individual, little attention is given to the cannibal-like tendencies of whiteness, particularly the disturbing obsession with dismembering and possessing people with dark skin. I know people are uncomfortable when I compare whiteness to cannibalism, but I don't know how else you can explain a culture that for centuries has been fixated with killing black people and possessing, consuming their bodies in some form or fashion. Yeah, that's good for, yeah, that's good. Yeah, mm-hmm. That, that's going to help you. And then every network, and once again, you saw Heather McDonald, those are the facts. You see a cop get gunned the fuck down, and it happens all the time. Way more than a black kid getting shot by a cop, unarmed, armed, or whatever. And then they bring these motherfuckers on. I wonder how you're seeing this video and what you say as people are considering the totality of what they're seeing on video and whether they should make distinctions between different incidents. So I, I, when I look at that video, I, I asked myself, if, if that would have been a 16-year-old white girl in a wealthy uh, suburban neighborhood 
would the police officer have sought to disarm this girl? Would the police officer sought to talk her down? Would the police officer would have used legal lethal force? And it's hard for me to believe that that would have happened. It's hard to me to, to believe that that officer uh, would not have responded differently for a different girl in a different community. I, I look at that video and I ask if that were my child, you know, or if my child were the child in pink who was so close to Micaiah when she was shot, you know, what, what would have happened? I think a lot of people are asking that. Uh, in, in this particular case, LeBron James spoke out. He tweeted a picture of the uh, of an officer, uh, the officer who allegedly shot Micaiah, and he said, you're next. He has since deleted that tweet. Uh, what What is your reaction to that? Does that add to the tension? Is that appropriate? I think it's important for us to, to, to recognize that that people are very, very angry and upset and outraged. And, and, and people, including LeBron James, you know, including others, they, they witnessed, you know, I don't want to speak for LeBron, but, but I, I know many people feel as if they, they did not witness police work. They, they witnessed someone being killed and, and, and even potentially murdered. And, and of course, like with any other case, people are going to be outraged that someone did not come and de-escalate the situation, disarm that girl, so everyone could have gone home safely that evening. According to a Harvard study, blacks in America are three times more likely than whites to be killed by police. Nicole Hannah-Jones, creator of the 1619 Project, says what we're seeing now has a disturbing link to the past. In certain parts of the country, modern policing has direct lineage to the slave patrols. The slave patrols deputized white Americans to stop, to question, to search any black person who was walking about to ensure that enslaved people were not escaping or going in places where they weren't supposed to be. I really think that it is difficult to reform an institution that in many ways uh, is, is doing the exact function that it was. This officer is going to be clear, right? I mean, this is the way this is going to go down the way most of these shooting um, cases go down uh, because police have tremendous latitude to use deadly force. Fine. Uh, but the problem is, at this point, everything police say to me is just a claim that needs to be proven. Even if there's, I mean, unless there's full accounting, they won't tell us who made the 911 call. Neighbors say that the little girl, that Micaiah made the 911 call. They aren't telling us that. They aren't being fully transparent here. That's why it's very difficult to trust um, what they're saying. So um, as you look at the circumstances of this, can you just walk us through how police should act in a case like this? Um, because, you know, I, I was saying on, on my Instagram earlier, I remember fights in, in even high school or even younger than that, where a kid brought a pen knife or something to school and teachers were able to defuse that. And they didn't have guns. I am saying that per training, the officer did his job and we need to start looking at each incident as its own incident. I'm so glad you said that. I'm so glad you put it that way, because we have to be able to say that yes, things are a tragedy. Something can be tragic and not necessarily call into question the entire way that an officer responded. Um, and you say, look, we've got to look at each of these cases differently. Assalamu alaikum, everyone. Thank you, uh, Reverend Altrapton, for being here.
uh, and for that beautiful eulogy. What are we going to do about the way that we don't understand black girls as girls? Micaiah Bryant was a child, like Tamir Rice was a child. And the way that she has been talked about as this, you know, because she was a big girl, right? And so people just see her as the aggressor. They don't see her humanity. They have adultified her. So you related to the slave patrols, which police started in Britain before slavery, you fucking morons. If this isn't political, to get out of order, why the fuck is Omar at a family's funeral that she doesn't even know the family? Why? If it's not political. But you bring on Kendi again. You bring on Hannah Jones. You got Joy Reid. One of Joy Reid's is because she was fat. You have a guy say it's a warranted shooting, and you literally see the faces of the CNN crew. We don't want to say that because that's not the narrative. And then you get actual footage that shows what the cops saw. So, literally, what does that benefit? Are we, jo- uh, is this where we're going? When you're a dead, you're the swing and a sling, little boy, you're a man, little man, you're a king. The nets are in gear, our cylinders are clicking, the shots are nuclear, cause every part of Rickens a lousy That's the world we're living in now? Where we shank a motherfucker? That's where we're supposed to go? I never had on my bingo card, shank a bitch, in 2021. I I didn't see that. I never thought anybody would even support that. And downgrade, knifing. Knifing's a thing now. No. That's so interesting. Uh, I'm not even... The Kendi X stuff. You only bring Kendi X on to start a riot. Tore. Uh, let me see if I have these. Where the hell is... Um, I don't know if I have Tore or not. There were at least four cops on the scene when Bakaya was shot. Only one thought to pull out his gun and start firing. None of the other thought that was appropriate. You may think it's obvious that she had to be shot, but three out of the four officers who were there disagree. Several people have said exactly this today. Just because people are fighting with knives does not mean you have to shoot someone. We're in the knife fight is good now. Mm, okay. 
Here's Joanne Reed. Thanks, Professor Crunk. Her TikTok videos broke my heart. We decided we wanted our audience to see her joyful and alive. Whatever happened at the house between those girls, an adult should have tried to talk them down. You know, it's even the most hilarious thing is the media bringing on her mother. She doesn't even live with her. That family's so dysfunctional. And if you pick up a knife, you're dysfunctional. Talib. Micaiah TikTok video shows her childhood and joy. Her smile at the end of the video just breaks me a little more. It's been maddening to see many people strip away the fact that the child was killed. We cannot be a society that justifies the killing of a child. Oh, really? 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 She was shocked because she was a big girl. Keller bringing on that fuckhead every time she can. Words are dangerous, but knives are meh. J.R. Homestead, teens have a fight, knife fight all the time. It was just a kitchen knife. You could have shot her in the leg. Fire a few rounds in the sky. Tasers don't murder. Holy fucking shit. Yeah, they do. We just went through this, that a taser is a deadly weapon for a cop, but not a criminal. Wendy's, Atlanta, does anybody remember this? I do. There are bad cops, there are bad department policies, regardless of use of force, there are bad shootings. This ain't fucking it. More body cams so we can see with our own eyes, hold police accountable. Oh, but not that one. Don't believe it. Believe this thing we want you to based on fucking nothing but our preferred narrative. And then this person goes through a string of dumbasses. NBC corrects deceptive editing where they don't show the knife. The new angle says, I'm going to stab the fuck out of you, bitch. That's pretty definitive. Gonna stab the fuck out of you. Lemon and Cuomo, night one, didn't have a problem with it. Night two, they changed their mind because they got tote. They got tote. And yes, it's a problem in the black community. I I was going to do a fucking story about it last time. And I forgot, but we're in, we're in South Carolina. Unbeknownst to us, we move into a quad because my wife wants to. Our marriage is garbage. We're fighting a lot. I don't want to live on post. She does. So we move live on post. And from day one, this one neighbor has no control of their kids. They're trash and shit, staying up to midnight. I was a drill sergeant. And my wife just wasn't that type of person that could put up with stuff like that. She just couldn't live in an apartment. That's why we moved away up to that. We never went back to an apartment again. But she was nice. She would just say, can you turn the music down? Unannounced to us, they had evicted every white couple that ever lived there. All three occupants were black, and then this one kept on getting white people. They didn't like white people. This is not me making up. This is housing telling me after I fucked up. So, one night, I... It's 3 o'clock in the morning. The parents aren't there. They got the music loud. I go over and go, can you please, are your parents here? No. Can you please turn it down? I got to go to work in two hours. I just need a little sleep. Tells me to go fuck herself or fuck myself. So I go and talk to the father who tells me to go fuck myself, Whitey, because he's a racist. The mother tells my wife, you ever come to my house again, I'll fuck you up, blah. So weeks later, my wife's going to work. And out on the front yard, this beautiful little girl like Makila Wright is out trying to shank a bitch. 
And so I told my wife, I don't give a fuck what they do. You don't say shit. You wanted this. This is my bad phase as a husband, but I was just so unhappy in life in general. Well, she gets to the corner and there's a policeman. The policeman goes, what's going on in the house? I, I don't know. Ma'am, you just left there. What is going on? There's a kid chasing another kid with a knife. So they come in and they arrest all these kids. Because two of them got knives. By the end of the day, I'm on a rifle range. I get a phone call to come to the PX. And this is where my life changed from liberal to more conservative. This is where I didn't believe black people couldn't be racist. Because I was living it. I was in a unit where there was three white guys and the rest were black. I was on a base that was 80% black. Everywhere you looked was black people who did not like you. They made it quite evident they didn't like you. And when I run up to this PX, my wife's over to the side crying. An undercover black officer and a real officer is with this black lady who's screaming and yelling and making up a story. The closed captioning caught this black lady coming in and beating my wife because she called the cops, which she didn't. By the end of that week, I'm in an office talking about housing, and I said, I'm done with this. He doesn't like white people. That's his fucking problem. I want off post. I want the Army to pay for it. They, of course, don't do it, but they said, we'll release you from your housing contract. So I go out of the room, and this black SAR major who's in charge of housing walks up and goes, I wish you would have just kept your fucking mouth shut. And he shows me the history of this guy making false complaints. Because we only made one complaint ever after they told us to go fuck ourselves. Every time there was loud music, whether we said anything or not, they went to housing and said it was us. A week later, the undercover cop comes up and apologizes to me. I didn't know what to do. Everybody just didn't want me to go against black people but your wife didn't do anything she was standing with your kids looking at shirts and this lady came in with haymakers so apparently it is okay that was 1995 96 it's okay for black kids to fight with knives and then when they kill each other it's still our fault. Just, just remember that. It's our fault. It's society. It's systemic racism. I mean, fuck me for saying, hey, I think the cop saved somebody. And oh, by the way, by now, that pink family has thanked the cop. Because initially they didn't, because they went with the fucking narrative the media was saying. But how, how can you... Support this. USA Today IPOS. One in five Americans don't want the police to fund it. That's one in five. Or only one in five wanted to fund the police. Four out of five black people say, fuck that. I want more cops up in this bitch. Because they know it's all based on a lie. None of it's true. 24... And 18 unarmed. 24 white, 18 black. 
There have not been thousands of black people killed a year. There's been thousands of people killed over a long time. Majority of the people that are killed by cops are killed because they're shooting at the fucking cops. And I know it's really cool and neat to go, yeah, let's fucking, uh, let's shank a fucking cop. But I don't think we get, we pay them enough just to sit there and eat a bullet just because your feelings. I don't think that's a thing. So that's fucking Ohio. I am so done with the race hustling. I'm just done. I'm just done. So we're going to take a break for a few subjects, then we're going to do a BLM thing. So Arizona is doing a recount, and I don't know why they're doing the readout, the recount, but they are, so we're going to get up here. Oh, yeah, that's Obama's, or yeah, Biden's America. It's good shit right there. Mm, 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 mm. So Arizona goes to do a recount, and instantaneously the liberals block the recount. Which makes you think, why would they? If everything was on the upsy, why would you care? I'm in the wrong fucking thing. Boom. Sorry about that. So, an Arizona judge cites concerns about the ballot secrecy during an audit from Maricopa County, but the process will move forward after Democrats decide not to put up a $1 million bond, fund any increase in costs. Here's what this lady saw while she was doing it. Let me blow this up. Uh, it's not going to let me, there we go. Hi, checking back into the real world. We'll update ASAP. They're still working on their first few boxes. Overall, a lot of questions about the procedure and a few changes being made. Chain of custody and ballots maintained. One quick update. They switched to green and the red pens before the actual real ballots were out on the floor. Taking a short break, post an update soon on Arizona.com. Observers just got a brief verbal training. We we're told to make sure counters are making marking votes correctly. Test ballots go first. I noticed the counters had blue pens, supposed to, supposed, supposed to only have red when you're around ballots, since ballots can read black and blue ink. Those blue pens the counters have could potentially be used to mark the ballots. I pointed it out. Doug has run the audit. He told me that his understanding was the blue ink was fine and the ballots only read black ink. Then he came back and said, actually, it seems I am correct, but he's still unsure. He said they would work on this. I've been banned from further updates. And they shut her off. So the people auditing Arizona's 2020 election are using pens that could be used to change the appearance of ballots and recast votes. Yeah, of course they are. CNN. This is why it's not quite right to talk about bias in journalism. Bias is when you have a store and you let your personal views seep in. This is just writing Democrat press release. Voting rights. Arizona Republicans begin reviewing 2020 ballots in an effort to undermine results. That's CNN. That's what we've been doing forever. You saw the intro. The North Carolina governor. Just talking about fucking rights and shit. They don't want that. They're trying to clean up Stacey Abrams. That she didn't have a part of it, but she did. It was even a Twitter moment. That's a CNN guy, Daniel Dale. It's misleading to say it. That's what she wanted. 
And then we just get into the most grossest fucking thing I have seen ever in my life. And it was okay. Trump, I understood. They didn't like Trump. Trump didn't like them. But I have said this for fucking years. Every time there's a Latino or a black or a gay or a three-dick Venusian that says they're conservative, like, you wait for this fucking Caitlyn Jenner bullshit. Oh, they're going to shred her. The left and the media go the fuck after them. And this was a real thing. Scott's is giving the GOP response to Biden. Javon Price, this American dream personified. Senator Tim Scott said he went from cotton to Congress in one lifetime, but his ancestral own unusual large amount of land. Fact checkers investigate. New fact checker. Tim Scott often talks about his grandfather in cotton. There's more to the tale. Actually, Tim Scott's grandfather left school to pick cotton, but it was for a family farm that was larger than most, making the backbreaking work much easier than, say, using white privilege to sit at a keyboard and attack a black man and his family for daring to have success. Feels like you want people to skim this and conclude he's dishonest since a detailed reading of it reveals you as a dishonest party. Who thought this was a good idea? That's a race hustler. Oh man, is this the first in a series? How legitimate is your blackness, Tim Carney said. Nikki Haley, what WAPO did to Senator Tim Scott is shameful. When minorities refuse to be victims, disagree with liberal talking points, and think for ourselves... Oh, shit. Sorry about that. The media shames us and questions our credibility. It's why we must fight harder for conservative values that lift us all up. This is tacky. The best world I, word I could find. Scott says grandfather had to drop out of school at 10 years old to pick cotton, but actually he was 11. And it was only because his father was a cotton farmer and the Great Depression had driven down prices. Chris Barron, just when you think the mainstream media won't sink any lower, some things are better left unfact-checked. White liberals are the worst. Yes, please tell the black man more about how he should perceive his life. This is everything. This this is, I mean, I don't even know how as a black person you don't see this. How? Commentator. Commentators blast Washington Post fact checker for Tim Scott. Nothing's going to happen for, to him because this is it. This, this is our world. If they're not doing that, the rock around Dean Obadiah. Oh, I triggered the right by calling Tucker Carlson on Joy Reid's show last night. 
the name he deserves, Tucker Clanson. I'm sure why Tucker would be upset. He's an open white nationalist. Oh, really? If new bus official accountants call me out, I told on his official account. I can only imagine what they say inside the room. Here's what they say in the room. Over in the office. You know he's going to cry Islamophobia, right? That's Obama, bro. That's who they are. Yeah, that's who they are. Jonah Goldberg. So I'm fine again to this. I would like to think that if Glenn Kessner had to do it all over again, he'd have not run this. Indeed, by the time I got to the end, my chief reaction was, why publish this? Even on its own terms, there was no rating. There's a lot of things you would like to think they are objectively false. They don't do it. They don't. Because he knows he can get away with that. Nothing's going to happen to him. That's fucking racist as fuck. But it's narrative. It's it's just narrative. It's about what can we pin on the right. We're, we're already working on 2022-24, boys and girls. They got to get people elected. They want total power. Then you get what I just flipped to. Where's my fucking mouse? This has been going on. But yeah, I'm supposed to trust mail-in votes, says Dennis in New York and all the never-Trumpers. It's just COVID. They're objective. They're a fucking union. And of course, when you go through this article, it is straight up only conservatives. It was vo- it was done by Yahoo News. Here's the text. Planning protests. But it's only conservative. They're not doing anything for BLM. Well, I mean, why would they? But I'm supposed to trust mail-in voting. It's on the up and up. It's totally good. Yeah. Because we don't need to worry about stuff like that. Because the media's on it. I'm going to play two things back to back. Because I can't get off that the FBI classified the suicide dude, Bernie bro, or assassination dude, Bernie bro, who wanted to kill a bunch of Republicans as a suicide attempt, while simultaneously, we got motherfuckers storming capitals and the media didn't even cover it. What the f- is going on? Where is this guy? wielding a semi-automatic assault rifle opened fire on Republican lawmakers practicing for a charity baseball game in suburban Virginia. Several people were wounded during the incident, including House Majority Whip Steve Scalise. The shooting lasted about nine minutes. A story published Monday by BuzzFeed News provides an in-depth look at that day's events and says a number of factors prevented the deadliest political assassination in American history. Lysandra Villa is 
is a politics reporter for BuzzFeed News and one of the authors of that piece. She joins me now from Washington. Uh, Lisa, this is a remarkable piece of reporting. Can you take us through some of the things that you write prevented the shooting from becoming a historic massacre? Thanks, Elaine. There was an incredible amount that went right that morning, um, besides obviously the shooting. Um, to start with, there was the fact that there was a, a gate that was locked on the third base side of the field that prevented the shooter from being able to get onto the field because there was only one exit in and out. Um, and if he'd been able to get onto the field, that would have Everyone that we talked to said that just saved a bunch of lives. That the pitchers for the team had the day off um, to rest their arms the day before the game was also incredible because otherwise they would have been stuck in the third base uh, batting cage that they would have been practicing in, and that would have just been feet away from the from the shooter. And then when the shooter first took his first shot, it actually hit the fence. And if you go out to the field, you can see where the fence is broken, um, and that, they say, prevented the first bullet from hitting uh, Congressman Trent Kelly, who was standing on third base just feet away from the shooter. And even that uh, majority whip Steve Scalise was there that day was was a huge, one of the miracles that we talk about in the piece, because mm -hmm. if he hadn't been there, his security detail wouldn't have been there, and and his uh, the two officers, Capitol Police officers, Griner and Bailey are the ones that everybody credits with saving their lives because they were able to keep the shooter's attention away from all of the unarmed players. Well, this piece is so thorough. You spoke to many of the people who were there that day, and the level of detail is so compelling. I wonder what stood out to you during your reporting for this piece? What stood out to me was just the human response that everyone was having, having and the different ways that everybody internalized that day. Um, so there are some people who don't think about it very often and, and just try to go about their days and it's part of them and they acknowledge it, of course, but they don't reflect on it very often. And then there are others like Congressman Roger Williams, who we open the piece with, who thinks about this almost every day. Um, so it was, it was incredible to sit down. We did almost all of the, the interviews in person with a few exceptions and it was wonderful to sit down with them and we just asked them to walk us through that morning. Um, and, and that's how we were able to get a lot of that detail. Well, the FBI concluded that the shooting was not politically motivated, but the shooter carried a list of GOP lawmakers in his pocket. Some lawmakers quoted in the article took issue with the FBI's characterization. What did you hear from them? This is something that they are very upset about. Um, so after the shooting, they, there were several briefing, briefings. And in the last one, what they heard from the FBI, from everyone that was there that day, um, they, they heard that it, it wasn't politically motivated. And, and like you said, they, they took issue with it just because of all of the facts that were around it, including the list, um, including how much time the, the shooter had spent on the field beforehand. And then also the prosecutor's report says specifically that this was fueled by rage at Republican lawmakers. So there, there was a lot of a lot of angst left over in the lawmakers over that particular point, and they accused the FBI of being political on this. Well, you note that the way this shooting faded from the news and from people's minds, that it was relatively quickly that this news faded. Why do you think that's significant? It's significant because America would be very different had 
two dozen people, approximately two dozen people, been shot dead last summer. Just think about all of the outcome that would have come from that, right? There would have been funerals. There would have been special elections. There would have been maybe a trial had the shooter survived. Um, so, so the circumstances of that morning sort of made it out because no one other than the shooter died. Um, the, the story sort of slipped to the background. Well, it's, as I said, it's an extraordinary piece of reporting. The details, particularly with respect to those who acted as first responders, um, in hearing it in their own words from their own points of view about what it was like to be there um, is certainly something that is so vivid. Lisa Villa, thank you so much. They stormed the Capitol? I didn't. Never saw it on the media. And you saw the initial? What happened right now? But nobody's going to change. Nobody's going to care. Paul Krugman, you might think it would be hard to obsess over the deficit when it was actually Trump who blew the deficit up for zero complaints from his party. But that would be assuming that our voters knew about that or would even be willing to hear it. In reality, given the GOP supporters believe that rampaging moms burn and loot major cities, somehow without the people actually living in those cities noticing, getting them to see facts about something as abstract as the deficit is a hopeless cause. There were nothing. When, when you're a liberal, you get to rewrite history. It's what they do. It's what they always do. And as, you know, we had them downgraded to stuff like a potato head saying, oh, oh, so we didn't have dumpsters for a while, but, you know, it's okay. It's no big deal. Yeah, we're fine. We're fine. Everything's good. And every fucking day on TV, we listen to this. Bolo, be on the lookout. There's a wave of laws sold as increasing safety. Do they? The Florida governor signed a so-called anti-riot bill. This sounds good. The danger that he's calling out is so urgent, he says, that the law has to go into effect immediately. The governor himself said, you know what the threat is? Black people making their voices heard. That's something that can potentially happen where you basically have justice meted out because the jury is scared uh, of what a mob may do. Oh, yeah. That's how he explains the George Floyd murder verdict. So now, is he looking for love from the fringe, echoing a Fox fallacy that is as, as obvious as what jurors identified in nine minutes and 29 seconds of video? No. It's a political power move. This is a riot. 
And this will get you locked up before quick in the state of Florida. Pay attention. We've got new law. And we're going to use it if you make us. This is what we enjoy in Florida. This is the Florida we know and love. Yes, well, in the America we know all too well, despite that Barney Fife reject there, the ability to peacefully protest is under the same attack as our voting rights. This week, Trump acolyte Florida Governor Ron DeSantis signed a sweeping anti-riot law that toughens public disturbance penalties and even grants immunity to people who decide to drive their cars into protesters blocking a street. But Florida man is not alone. And so many have taken to the streets uh, to protest police brutality. GOP lawmakers in 34 states have introduced 81 anti-protest bills. They can legislate away your First Amendment right to protest. This is directed at Black Lives Matter. It feels so George Wallace that I'm shocked that George Wallace didn't actually think of it back when he was governor of Alabama. Oh, this is straight out of the Jim Crow textbook. And let's contextualize Jim Crow, shall we? When black people got more free, there were new laws created to make us less free. This is exactly what is happening right now. What this actually shows me, Joy, is that white supremacy is scared to death of us, and it absolutely should be. This is what you do when you cannot win fair and square. So it's our job to keep them on the ropes, because this is what desperation looks like, and I want them to stay desperate. Everything they said is a falsehood. It's just rioting. You can't loot, burn, beat, stab. But what? That, that's just the voice of oppression. Martin Luther King said that. Yeah. Or, or something. And then we had another incident this week where a white guy was shot by police because he was fucking threatening police. And they ran over there to protest, found out he was white and left. So if this is really about police abuses... Don't you think it would be all racist? But no. No, Tony. What's wrong with you? And then you have this sawed-off bullshit. This is George Floyd Square. White people are asked to decenter and come to listen, learn, mourn, and whiteness. And witness, excuse me. Remember, you're here to support, not to be supported. Additionally, white people must contribute to energy of the space rather than drain it. And bring their own processing to other white folks so as to not further endanger or harm BIPOC. They must also be mindful of whatever their volume, pace, and movement are undermining their effort to decentralize. The sign advises against taking photos, a restriction that has popped up at other anti-racism, anti-police brutality protests, or riots particularly where anti-fascist protesters are involved, and suggests that white people police other white people who may be causing problems and gains rather than escalate, so that George Floyd Square can be learning movement a moment rather than disruption. The George Floyd Square Autonomous Zone is delineated with concrete barricades and cropped up last year following Floyd's death, but came back to life just as the jury selection was beginning, because they can. They own a whole fucking area. And that's the fucking rest of it. CNN's just all on this. They they love it, man. They think it's the best thing ever. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. It's what we need in America. More fucking problems. More problems. 
From Michael Brown to Michaela Bryant, meet the lawyers. False claims fuel the generation of Black Lives Matter. Benjamin Crump. Say it. He's just an ambulance chaser. My God, what are we doing? Leonis Johnson threat of Black Lives Lost ignored by media and BLM. Just heartbreaking. I was going to show these pictures, but I can't because it's too fucking sad. Starting a new thread this year. It's devastating that it's even necessary. Look at these little faces. Chastity Saunders shot and killed in Miami January 6th. She was six. Demaya Rankin Fleming shot in St. Louis January 24th. Sitting in a car. Seven years old. Laura Hall was shot and killed in Louisville February 2nd. Drive-by. Nine Major Turner was shot and killed in Birmingham, Alabama, February 4th, when someone started shooting in the apartment. He was two. I guess he wasn't ready for the knife fight, because it's what we're told is common. Devon Tarver was shot and killed Tuskegee, Alabama, on February 13th while in bed. He was four. Nia Andre Dyer was shot and killed Chicago on March 1st. While at gas station where two men started shooting at each other and she was hit. She was 11. Joseph Hobbs was shot and killed in Los Lunas, New Mexico on March 6, 2021 during a drive-by. He was standing in his yard. He was 11. Don't worry. He was Latino. He wasn't just some white kid who got shot. They don't really matter. K. John Green was shot and killed in St. Louis March 7, 2021. He was nine. Jahala Hughes was shot and killed in Little Rock March 13th. She was 10. Maya Patel was shot and killed in Shreveport March 20th. She was five. Terrence Bryant was shot and killed in Huma, Louisiana March 22nd. She was eight. Harris Cleveland was shot and killed in Philadelphia March 26th. 11. Rondell Jones was shot and killed in Hartford, Connecticut on, March, on April 10th. He was three. Doris Harris shot and killed Syracuse, New York, 11 months old. Jamela Marlowe, April 12th, 3. Dexter Ferguson, Palm Beach, Florida, April 14th, 7. Brian Henderson, Jr., Leavenworth, Kansas, April 14th, 12. Jaislyn Adams, Chicago. 18th of March or April, seven years old. But yeah, fuck those cops. They're lynching people. And by the way, every one of those were killed by black people, not white people. Or you know about it. Yeah. Uh. Then we have this, because we're not going to report about, you know, the kids getting murdered and slaughtered in the city by gang violence. Why the fuck would we cover that shit? Chicken Kiev across the U.S. militarized police force, National Guard, prepared to do what they have done so often in the face of ongoing uprisings against police violence, prepared and brutalized their cities with every weapon they had. That's the same person who reported the guy was a Nazi, but it was a military thing. Hannah Jones. She was on another network. 
that's the person she dogged. He, he was he was a bad guy. New York Times headline, GOP bills target protesters absolve motorists who hit them. Nope. It actually just says, can't be held accountable if you're running for your fucking life. Newsweek, drivers who run down rioters will not be prosecuted in Oklahoma law. Ben Shapiro, alternate headline, rioters who violently threaten drivers will be assuming their own risk. They had to put it in, not for white folk, for black folk, for all folk, for three dicked Venusians. Because the shit's out of control. Then we start getting these reports. Black-owned businesses in George Ford Square say they're in desperate need to help from the police. The businesses are struggling to stay open due to rampant crime. But what's CNN reporting? Trump supporters could be incited to future violence by his continued promotion of the 2020 election lies, the Justice Department says. That's April 14th. That, that's what they put out. And I can do a whole thing, which I planned today, but I don't have enough time, of just all the black people killed in Chicago. But I don't need to. All I need to read is one headline to prove this is all bullshit. Fewer than one in five support to fund the police movement. USA Today, I suppose. I suppose. That is a liberal fucking report. These are the people getting arrested and released for Antifa violence. Nobody seems to care. Nobody seems to care. This lady was killed this week by an illegal alien. Or not this week. Illegal alien MS-13 gang member charged with hacking woman to death. Three illegal alien gang members sanctuary state in New York have been charged with murdering a 31-year-old mother in a brutal attack. MS-13 gang member, 20-year-old Rigel Rojoa, 22-year-old Alan Lopez, and 21-year-old Jose Rimento, all of whom are illegal, all have been deported and returned and went to sanctuary cities, were arrested and charged with the murder, criminal possession of weapon, concealment of human corpse, and tampering with evidence this month of the death of Nazareth Tamara Clark, the mother of an 8-year-old boy. Rodolfo Lopez, four suspect, who's also a legal MS-13 member, has been arrested and charged with concealment of human corpse and tampering with evidence. Last week, Queens County prosecutors say Yohar Lopez and Samato beat Tamar Clark with a baseball bat before hacking her to death with a machete in the neighbors of Far Rockaway. Then the MS-13 gang members wrapped her body and stuffed her in the trunk of a car for taking four off for Long Island, New York, according to prosecutors. Days before the alleged murder, Tama Claire obtained a prosecution uh, protection order against her boyfriend, 28-year-old Anahardo Enriquez, also an illegal alien MS-13 gang member. So she was down with illegals, and she was cool with Latino. So this isn't a racist girl who had it coming, Joy Reid. Tama Claire had reported Enriquez for choking her on April 9th. But of course, nothing happened because he's illegal. He's a special citizen. You're not. Months before January, Clara was allegedly punched in the face by him before he hit her with the metal pipe. Police said they witnessed MS-13 gang members stuffing Tamara's body in a trunk of a car. That's how they found her. 
You, you didn't hear about that, though. Here's another one. Jillian Melee gave attention to one of the several critical factors to help increase violent crime in New York City, highlighting the case of a violent criminal who attacked an Asian cop. The liberal media otherwise claim to care about hate crimes have so far not given a fucking shit. And this one goes down to Ricardo Hernandez. Beat up a ki- Asian cop. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Why would we care? Huh? And while we're on it, we told you immigration reconciliation is here. Back in February, MRC Latino Latino warned you that liberal Spanish-speaking media began their push for Plan B regarding the legalization of undocumented immigrants via budget reconciliation, and they're now trying to stuff it in their infrastructure bill. Because, yeah, that's how you change everything now because they really don't want to get rid of the filibuster because they know they've used it 373 times and Republicans have only used it once. So yeah, yeah, we got problems. There's black kids getting killed every day. There's illegal aliens murdering motherfuckers all over the fucking place. I mean, I could spend a whole fucking show just on that because I get the reports every day. I always get stories because I look for it. But our media doesn't cover it. All you know is cops are bad, white people are racist, and oh, by the way, you're racist. And while all this is going on, they still found time to do stupid shit. So here's our media jerk-off on the 51st state and climate. My politics, the media jerk-off of the week. The 51st state, a divided house, votes to grant Washington, D.C. statehood, a major step in a decades-long movement, now facing a tough fight in the Senate. For 60 years, 50 states, but Congress is now one step closer to adding another. D.C. statehood is an idea whose time has come. The House passing a bill that would make Washington, District of Columbia, the state of Washington, Douglas Commonwealth, honoring abolitionist Frederick Douglass. The mayor would become the new governor and the 700,000 plus people living in D.C. who already pay the most federal taxes per capita would get federal voting rights, including two new senators. That would almost certainly mean two more Democrats, given D.C.'s political leanings, with the GOP intensely opposed to statehood. Some Republicans argue D.C. is too small. D.C. wouldn't even qualify as a singular congressional district. It does have more people than Vermont or Wyoming. Some have argued D.C. is not Wyoming. Wyoming is a well-rounded, working-class state. 
Democrats blast that as thinly veiled racism. I had no idea there were so many syllables in the word white. As for the founding fathers, some conservatives say they never intended that the nation's capital become a state. D.C. would have the highest percentage of black residents in the country. Top Democrats frame statehood as a civil rights issue. There's also the security component that Democrats point to, saying that D.C. should be able to make its own decisions about things like the National Guard, something that came up in particular after the Capitol siege on January 6th. This uh, movement towards statehood, does it have momentum? Where do you see it going from here? Look, it has momentum. Not this year, but I call it momentum this decade. Tonight, a special CNN town hall. Kerry, McCarthy, Regan, Granholm. The White House climate team take questions and share their plan to combat climate change. Dana Bash hosts a CNN town hall. The climate crisis, tonight at 10. I just wanted to ask you one question. My, I have a nine-year-old daughter. I have three kids. And I told my nine-year-old daughter that I was going to be speaking with you. And I said, what do you think about the climate change, climate change. And she said, the earth is on fire and we're all going to die soon. You and I talked right after you testified back in, in 2019. You told me that this was not a new issue. Uh, in fact, you, no. you, you said, uh, thank you for finally listening to us. Um, do, you, do you think we're doing a bit, a, a bit better at the media? Are we, are we any better than we were a few years ago and at least sounding the alarm and raising awareness? The Biden administration is pledging to slash U.S. greenhouse gas emissions by 50 to 52 percent by the year 2030. That goal was unveiled at the start of a two-day climate summit hosted by President Biden. Big Earth Summit today, uh, climate summit at yeah. the White House. President Biden announcing the, uh, uh, the U.S. will reduce carbon by like half, half, at least 50 percent going is, forward. It's really visionary. This is basically President Biden send, and the administration here sending a signal, a very strong signal that the U.S. is back after former President Trump pulled the country out of the Paris Climate Accord. So much of this right now is about regaining the trust of the world and credibility when it comes to fighting climate change on the world stage. The CBS News poll out this morning found 53 percent of Americans approve of the president's handling of climate change. 55% of Americans are against, against it. That's why you heard that little liar, Chuck Todd, say, oh, maybe this decade. It's this decade. Yeah. This decade will get it. No, we won't. Because everybody can see through what you're doing. It has nothing to do with rights. These people do get to vote. And if it's about representation, then you fold them back into what they used to be, Maryland or Virginia. This is just a bold, we want two more senators so we can vote crazy shit that nobody wants. Keep it quiet. Politico signals three major bills are doomed in Congress. Democrats have spent months down an expansive proposal that would reshape U.S. elections. But with the bill's Senate prospects growing more dire, key members of the Congressional Black Caucus are pushing to narrow the strategy. The reality for Democrats is the Lewis legislation won't be much easier to pass than H.R. 1, which includes sweeping election administration mandates, climate goals, D.C. statehood, Troubled, the House is voting day on the bill. The stated proposal, like other central elements of Democrat agenda, may not make it to the Senate floor this year, given its lack of unified support from Biden's party, with infrastructure and voting right bills proving difficult enough to get the president's desk. 
article. Discreet news. Not a conservative site. Is D.C. statehood about fair representation or a power grab? Of course it's a power grab. It's a complete power grab. It's always a power grab. I, I found very few other than liberal, which is the mainstream media, that actually said, hey, this is it. I even found some WAPO stuff that said, yeah, 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 this is stupid. Why Democrats want to make Washington, D.C. the 51st state? Dem believe control of the Senate can help their push for D.C. statehood. <laughs> they said it in the beginning, but they really didn't mean to. Statehood, uh, this is uh, Cleveland.com. Stated for D.C. is just a naked Democratic power grab. The anti-constitutional D.C. statehood pretense. That is from WAPO. Are congressional Democrats lying their way to riches? Yes. And then you get into the climate, and I had to play... Um, I had to play literally that fucking butt leg stuff. But I wanted to play this together. You're off to such a great quick start. You said twice getting to net zero is going to be hard, really hard. And uh, just remind everybody that, that that will depend on whether or not we have some breakthrough technologies and breakthrough innovations, number one. But even if we get to net zero, we still have to get carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere. So this is a bigger challenge. Yeah, yeah, we actually need that. We we need carbon dioxide. We can't get it all out. Have you ever heard of photo fucking synthesis? Does anybody remember science? This is a party of science. President Biden, this Earth Day, I'm proud to say science is back. Oh, really? Yes. There was no science to be seen with those miracle COVID vaccines that were developed, distributed in a record-setting time, just completed dark age stuff, tweeted while double-masked and vaccinated. He was the only world leader that went there with masks. And there is something off on it, because now there's reports that he doesn't let anybody come in his office who hasn't been vaccinated. And... They must be still masked. And if you haven't been vaccinated, you have to be swabbed and then masked. So did the man get a shot or did he not? Or is he still stuck on Trump made this so it's bad? That's what I think it is. Katie Pavlish wishes the greenies and granolas a happy Earth Day. I was going to put it up here. It's a fucking mask floating in the ocean. The masks have ruined everything. Writers wonder why Hollywood can't make good movies about the biggest story on earth, climate change, time. And you saw that reporter literally ask, oh, not his reporter, he's a gay black guy in MSDNC, he's an activist, but is our propaganda good enough? I mean, how much more propaganda can they do? You have that fucking Democratic representative doing that, my daughter said bullshit, which I don't believe, but if she did say it, that's because you scared the shit out of her with her, the fucking goddamn AOC and Breda Thunberg, put them against the fucking wall, eat the babies, have scared kids and gave them anxiety from their article. When good and also commercially successful films... Where are my glasses? I can't read this font. 
I should wear them more often. My wife says I'm cute in my glasses. I don't know why I don't wear them more, because maybe I get lucky. When good and almost commercially successful films and television is produced, the deal with themes such as racism, sexually exploitation, genocide, drug addiction, corruption, and mental health problems, then why not stories based on climate change crisis? Well, let's do a math on that. None of the other stuff is good movies that make a lot of money. Nobody wants to watch that shit, including gay people, including black people. Nobody's burning up the black stories. They're not watching it, okay? It's it's just propaganda, and they don't even want to see it. For instance, imagine a climate researcher whose education has been funded by her beloved father who's running an oil company that's brought employment and prosperity to a once poor community. She's trying to convince her father to join the fight for climate when she is kidnapped. By who? Why? I don't know yet. But it's an example of the kind of fictional narrative that can mirror the problem and dilemmas of our real world. We've had. It was called the day after fucking tomorrow. It wasn't a bad movie, but you already had that. They're talking about something that would never happen, that was scientifically unable to happen, but they said that could happen, and and then the whole earth went to dog shit, and we were in an ice age, and they ended the movie with a, I've never seen the air so clear. Once again, I'm old enough to remember when it was global cooling, warming, change. I remember all these things. You fucking people have come up with so many different variations of what the fuck we're going to call this crap that literally you've lost your mojo. Now, when you couldn't get your way politically, you went with, oh, we're we're just going to say that um, uh, we're all going to die in 12 years. That's our new technique. We're all going to die in 12 years, which is eight years. And Breta Thunberg running around saying, we're already dead. As she sails a boat across the Atlantic once. They've ruined that poor girl. She's got Asperger's, man. She is just a fucking clusterfuck. AOC slams Republicans for using statistics and studies to debunk her Green New Deal. That's the problem. Every time you guys put shit out, it's a fucking lie. How Biden's climate plan could limit you to eat just one burger a month, cost 3.5k a year per person in taxes, force you to spend 55k on electric cars and crush American jobs. Joe Biden announced a goal to cut emissions by 2030 compared with 2005. He vows a plan would set the U.S. on a path to zero emission economy by no later than 2050, but would create jobs and boost the economics. Yeah, bullshit. But he is yet to release any firm details on how exactly the plan would affect the daily lives of ordinary Americans. It would prompt sweeping changes that could affect how Americans eat, drive, and heat their homes. While Biden has released details, hasn't released details, experts in recent studies have laid out what would need to change by 2030 to reach this goal. Oh, that was by Breibart, Tony. Mm. Tony, you got that from the hateful racist site Daily Why. No, I got it from the Daily Mail. But yeah, you, you couldn't eat burgers. You get one burger a month. That's science. 
meat consumption needs to drop by 90%, climate scientists say. New research suggests meat production has far more drastic effect on global climate change than we're likely to admit. Now, and, and the funny thing about this, if you really want to break down the nuts and bolts of this fucking horse shit, they've gone after cow farts and all the emissions needed to feed people meat. But they won't break down all the emissions needed to make, produce, erect solar and wind. Real scientists say that solar and wind actually are not net zero. Because to produce the solar panels, you need a shitload of coal to make them. And to make these wind farms that actually fuck the environment up destroy our resources, resources, kill birds, and not really produce enough electricity to do fucking anything. All of that is heavy on carbon emissions, and they don't degradate and sit in landfills. The maintenance alone is a shit ton. I watched it on Micro, Dirty Jobs. Moral imperative, Biden announces new emission target to tackle climate crisis. And, and really, think about it. There, There is talk that they want to, no shit, ban cars like California. So most of us can't afford, in this new Biden beautiful place that the Never Trumpers gave us, this beautiful country of carnage and racism and everybody hates each other, and joblessness. Uh, how are you going to buy a fucking electric car that won't go over 250 miles? As stated on the show before, he's going to put in more charging stations than we have gas stations per capita for the number of cars. But the battery technology is not there. And then after fucking 10 years, you got to spend $20,000 to get the batteries replaced. So basically every 10 years... Or five, or was it six years? Every six years, you have to buy a new car. Because it's cheaper than replacing the batteries. And then all those batteries and all those cars go in the shit heap. And then Gigi, my better half, literally out said, the, what are we going to do with all the cars? going to throw them all out when they're banned? Because California's already on the path. You won't be able to get an emission test. You won't be able to get a license or a license plate. You, you won't be able to drive that car. So what do you do with it? Is everybody getting Kentucky lawn furniture? Safan CZ. They, this is another foreign article, and it just breaks down that everything he's saying will fucking destroy America's economy and let China become the world power. Peak woke, dem rep. Let's, uh, that, Katie Porter. Katie Porter. Maybe if mommy would stop terrifying her daughter over imaginary problems, things would improve. This is emotional abuse. A member of Congress asking a high school dropout how to comfort her mentally abused child is peak woke. And so true. (laughs) And then we have a picture of Carrie doing the same thing that we saw with butt leg and driving a green Stooner from his SUV to the building. Yeah, good job. In the beginning of our coverage of this, you saw that they literally gave up their 10 p.m. Sunday spot for propaganda carry to come on. I haven't been able to find a single soundbite 
Um, let me check one more time. Of of the show, I, I haven't found anything. Yeah, yeah, there's nothing. They haven't showed shit yet. No, nothing. That fucking kind of sucks. I wanted to see how fucking woke it was. Pure propaganda. Nickelodeon gets slimed for pushing environmental racism indoctrination. And it goes a little something like this. Black snow, the thick soot that pollutes Pahokee, Florida. There's Cancer Alley, which is an area along the Mississippi River in Louisiana that's lined with oil refineries. And air so toxic in New York's South Bronx that 20% of children have asthma. What do these cities have in common? They're all examples of environmental racism, a form of systemic racism, where minority and low-income communities are surrounded by health hazards because they live near sewage, mines, landfills, power stations, major roads. In Philadelphia, it's hazardous waste. In San Carlos, Arizona, it's a mining project that would dishonor an Apache sacred site. But it has never been more devastating and harmful than in Duplin, North Carolina, where, believe it or not, the number of hogs outnumber the number of residents. My name is Fiona. I grew up in Duplin County, North Carolina. Fiona moved away from Duplin County as soon as she could, which is why she's okay opening up about life there. When we tried reaching out to a number of people currently living in Duplin County, they were too scared to go on camera. It's a small town and there's a farm on almost every corner. Duplin County in eastern North Carolina produces more hogs than any other county in the United States. Chances are that piece of bacon or pork chop you eat might have come from here. And listen to this. There are 2 million hogs in that county with just under 60,000 residents. And many of the people work in the hog farms, which it turns out are dangerous to their health and to the environment. Growing up in Duplin County, we would go outside and play with our friends and our cousins, whoever lived in our community. But sometimes um, the air quality would be so bad to the point where we would have to strictly play in the house. And that was due to the hog farms um, spraying feces in the fields. Yes, you heard that right. For decades, residents have complained that just breathing in the feces-infested air alone can make you sick. In 2014, more than 500 North Carolinians, most of them black, filed over two dozen federal lawsuits against the meat-producing companies. But these hog farms have continued with business as usual. What the hogs do is they use the bathroom and it's mixed in with a certain water. It is sprayed in all of the fields in order to grow crops for food. Um, It gets into our pipelines to where our water turns a different color. It can be anywhere from a rusty brown to a pink. Going to school, you would be very self-conscious because of the smell. Whenever you walk down the road and the wind is up high, you can feel it. It's like a shower on your skin and it's full of feces. It is environmental racism. Companies put their hog farms in areas that are mainly poor areas with um, 
black people and Hispanic people. So I would say people of color. People are afraid to speak up because this they don't want to bite the hand that feeds them. Moving west from Duplin County, there is an ongoing fight between indigenous communities to protect the Apache sacred land in Oak Flat, Arizona, from copper mining companies. Nolan has been fighting to protect the land since she was nine years old, inspired by her grandfather. When she was 13, she testified before Congress on the importance of the beliefs of indigenous people and the preservation of the earth. When we're talking about, you know, social injustice, environmental injustice, they both coincide together. Hmm. Well, Congresswoman, let me ask you more about this op-ed that you uh, wrote. You say you're nonviolent while also referencing that there are right-wing members of Congress who subscribe to the views of QAnon and the Proud Boys. Do you believe that those congressional Republicans are nonviolent? Well, no, because uh, what... Turn it up! Turn it on! what the 13th Amendment did? Abolish slavery. Except as a punishment for a crime. Guys, guys, I literally just rented a car for the day so that I can get my first vaccine shot! Humanities teacher at Cedar Park Middle School and my pronouns are she, her, we, and us. I'm gonna say something that's not nice and not sweet, but it's true. If you're not evolving into an anti-racist educator, you're making yourself obsolete in this field of profession. Um, our district is only getting browner and browner with our children. And so if, you know, obviously you can't change your melanin, all right, but you can change your mind so that you can actually function in a, a district that is full of BIPOC children. So if you're being resistant, I understand that, but you're going to have to eventually come to the light because if you're going to keep with those old views of um, colonialism, um, it's going to lead to being fired because you're going to be doing damage to our children, um, trauma. And so as we fire the teachers who sexually abuse our children, we will be firing the, the teachers who do racist things to our children and traumatize them. And while our district might not be completely on there, OEA, um, OEA is working on it, all right? NEA is working on it. And so it's just a matter of time. So it's like you either evolve or dissolve. That fucking soundbite with fucking Acosta is perfect 2020 media. Just perfect. It, it is the greatest thing I've ever seen. That lady just threatened people again, and he's talking about conservatives. But yes, CNN, Mr. President, we're real news. Sure. Then we have ABC doing another segment on uh, Cops Are Fucking Horrible, because that's all we have. Another cultist, I'm so excited I got my thing. And that fucking swami rap fucking piece of shit, that's my school district in Oregon. That's where I went to school. 
back in the 80s. School district that wants to have difficult conversations on race holding separate Zoom sessions with white parents and parents of color. That's how the story starts. And then it goes into that, that you just need to hate yourself. Because if you don't hate yourself, you're doing it all wrong. Our schools are so bad. Virginia moving to eliminate all accelerated math courses for 11th grade as part of equity because it isn't fair to black kids that they're not good on math because Asian kids, kids kick everybody's ass. That's anti-Asian hate right there. I don't care what the fuck you say. I went to a school with boat people. Because that's what we called them at the time. They drop-kicked every honky in the building. I remember a young lady from Vietnam being hostile towards me. Because I beat her in Shakespearean literature. Yeah, me. Hold on a second. My, My chair's fucked. I moved my chair. I got it on a support, so I'm raised a little bit, or else you just see my shoulders, because the way the desk is. But long story short, yeah, okay. And I went to a class, Mr. Duran was a teacher, and I was trying to get hooked up with this girl, but I didn't have any game. I didn't have any game to my wife, but I really didn't have game with her because she asked me to dance. And was the one that was more forward sexually because I was a gentleman and shit because I was raised by a woman. So, long, not that my wife was a whore. That just did not come out right at all. Whatever. Let's not, let's just ignore that part of the tape. And I go in this class and I realize you got to do a resuscitation of, of to be or not to be. That is a question whether there's a noble mind and one from every play. And you got to fucking take tests on quotes. You got to say who the fuck said in. I'm like, I'm done. Mm-hmm. So, I walk up and say, hey, I want out. And he looks at me, and he was an ex-Marine, and he goes, you know, I've watched you in the hall for three years, or two years. Saw you come over here as a freshman and wrestle. You're a good kid, but you don't try. So no, Mr. Coke, you're not. And the next time you fucking ask me anything soon, I'm going to tell you a word. If I yawned, I had to spell a word to him, and I had to be right, or so I was going to get an F. And he challenged me, and I ended up listening to records of the plays as I slept on headphones. I got serious, and I was number one. And this girl was pissed because she was an AP everything and this was an AP course that I wasn't even supposed to be in. But it was done on a bell curve and I would get 70s on the test, but that was above everybody else because I tried. All our classes were that way. Nobody said, hey, that ain't fair to honky or white tea people. But yeah, we're going to just scrub everything because it's all racist, you know? Why even have grades? Let's have more kids go out and play professional football and don't even know how to read. Because that's a thing still. We don't care. Rutgers students now receive trigger warnings for Greek and Roman plays. Elementary school equity presentation insinuates Hispanic students struggle in education system because they face deportation threats. So now we're not going to have them learn anything, which, once again, we can have a whole show on assimilation, which is what my forefathers did, and probably yours did, and they came to the country, they learned English, they learned the laws, they became Americans. That's all getting scrubbed now on this new deportation that's going to have 800 times the releases 
800% more. Because. So here's the new presentation that we're picking up for Latinos because that's their next pandering shit. We created this acronym to reflect the equity framework and be a reminder for our staff to keep equity in the center of all we do. So first, let us introduce ourselves. I'm Lauren Sprawl, and I'm the, prin- and I'm the principal of Guilford Elementary. And I'm Suzanne Alves, the equity lead and a third grade teacher. Guilford faculty has worked hard to give students what they need to succeed worked to hand out school supplies to families that were able to come to school and delivered ones where students could not come to the building. Using the second steps curriculum with fidelity and providing personalized learning are ways that we are eliminating disparities and the opportunity gap. We also made sure that we weren't making assumptions about needs. Teachers work to gather data by giving out surveys about technology and academic needs while students are learning at home. A, actively engaging our families as well as our community. Continuing family and community engagement could have been seen as an obstacle during this pandemic. However, Guilford has continued our extensive outreach by hosting parent coffee hour and wellness groups utilizing a virtual platform. Parents were encouraged to attend and personally invited. There have been a wide range of topics that including helping parents understand virtual learning expectations, healthy eating and physical activities, and ways to help children's emotions during a pandemic. We sought out speakers that were not only on staff, but also speakers that are reflective of our school community. We believe representation not only matters with our students, but also with our parents. At the beginning of the school year, the Equity Committee began putting together a list of diverse book titles to fit many topics. We wanted to give teachers a great starting point to help them dive into deeper conversations about identity and culture and to help students have a way to connect to literature that was diverse in subject. Culturally responsive teaching begins in the youngest grades to give students ways to connect with themselves and others. The morning show continues to be a place for the entire school to share background about famous people, events, and personal stories that may spark an understanding of self and others from our students. Grades worked with their students to create personal portraits that would help us connect beyond the morning meeting time and share more about wants, dreams, backgrounds, and to find more about students' true self. You know, I thought that was cultural appropriation to black people telling people what Latino people think. Because it happened, United States of Al, blasted for handling of Afghan character, Reza Aslan defends the sitcom, because he's a racist, he's the guy that said punch a uh, Covenant Catholic in the face, and everybody on the, there's a shitload of Afghans, but there's not a lot of Afghan comedians, because the Taliban would beat the fuck out of them, so they have a non-Taliban in the lead and fuck or Afghan, and they got pissed off because that's cultural appropriation and they're not doing it right. Marvel abasts millions of people who hate black Captain America. And they don't hate it because he's black, they hate it because the fucking character's stupid. 
But why, 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 why would we care? Minnesota College mandates monthly anti-racism training sessions, segregates faculty by skin color. But that's not racist. Washington State allowing COVID vaccine providers to prioritize people of color, deny vaccines to white people. That's not racist. Why would that be racist? You fucking people just don't understand the more we do this stupid shit, the more we create more extremists, the division. It's by design, I understand. Because we're still COVID. Look at look at this fucking headline. CNBC. Researchers say you're no safer for COVID indoors, six feet or 60 feet. And it's all bullshit. It's a bullshit survey. That's a scientist. But you know, why would we go with that? Then there's these all over the internet right now. Nobody's going to show this. I got his back. Black and whites together. No, 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 no. Then my brother gives me this one. Jane Austen Museum launches BLM-inspired interrogation of author for drinking tea and wearing cotton during slavery. Yeah. Okay. But one other thing. Oh, that's important. We got food allergies now. We're good. That That's the sum of it. That's all the left does. Black people, shut up. Latinos, shut up. Do what the fuck we say. But the LGBT crowd, they're, they're getting their licks in too. LGBT activists urging the government to fight the pernicious power of prayer while Sienna Anifal hate group threatens to burn down church over event with Charlie Kirk. But burning crosses is okie dokie artichoke when they're crosses for white people. We got no problem with that. Okay. Okay. Sounds good to me. Sounds fucking fantastic. Woohoo! Good times. Good fucking times there. Yeah. Good shit. So, for a break, here's Dana White. Do you need the media? <laughs> um, that's a great question. And I'm very combative with the media because they're full of shit. It makes me crazy. So I don't read anything anymore. I try to stay away from it. I think we do need the media. I think... The problem is today, here's the problem with today, determining who's media and who's not. Anybody who can create a fucking website now considers themselves media, you know what I mean? Or if they have an Instagram, you know, now they can become media. It just, most of these people are full of shit and, and, and have no place uh, writing or talking about anything. But there are some real good media people out there still. He's right, of course, 100%. And then you get articles from Ezra Klein. I'm just going to read a little bit of this. It's from the, uh, the New York Times. Opinion. A different way of thinking about cancel culture. Social media companies and other organizations are looking out for themselves. I go, the debate whether these punishments were fairs to commit a category error. 
There weren't verdicts weighed and delivered on behalf of society. These were the actions of self-interested organizations that decided their employees were now liabilities. Teen Vogue, which is part of Condé Nast, has remade itself in recent years as a leftist magazine built around anti-racist principles. Now, Kasakin trades on his perceived clout with elected Republicans. In both cases, the organization were trying to protect itself for its own reasons. That suggests a different way of thinking about the amorphous thing we call cancel culture and a more useful one. Cancellations defined here as actually losing your job, your livelihood, occur when an employer speech infraction generates public attention that threatens an employer's profits, influence, reputation. This is an issue of wokeness, as anyone who has been on the business end of right-wing mob trying to get them or their employers fired, as I have multiple times, knows. It's driven by economics, and the key actors are social media giants and employers who really could change the decisions they make in ways that would lead to better speech climate for us all. Boundaries or acceptable speech aren't, aren't new, and they're not narrower today than in the past. Remember the post-9-11 furor over whether you could run for office if you didn't wear American flag pin? The left is so devoid of facts that... The difference between a lefty and a righty getting canceled, when a righty gets canceled, it makes the Today Show. When a lefty gets canceled, they are defended on the Today Show. We're just not compatible anymore. That's why I put this up. We're no longer compatible as a society because the end results are polls like this. Republican independents consistent on key issues, while Democrats' views change based on who benefits from it. Highlight from the poll question. For over 150 years, the United States Supreme Court has had nine justices. Court package generally defines increasing number of Supreme Court seats primarily to alter the ideological balance of the court. Do you support or oppose? Results. Democrats support 50. Republicans 4. Independents 26. Oppose. Democrats 47. Republicans 90. Independents 68. Undecided. Very few on Democrats. 6 and 6 for everybody else. If Donald Trump had been re-elected as president, Post increasing size Supreme Court from nine members to 13 members. Would you support or oppose? Democrats support seven, oppose 90. Republicans 14 support 76, oppose. Do you support or oppose ending the filibuster? Democrats support 73, 17, and 10. When you flip it, it's the opposite. So Democrats don't care about the country. They don't care about other people. They just care about power because they spent their whole lives being told by fucking people in the media, fucking schools, fucking fuck, that they're the smartest people in the world, that they're morally superior, even though they're immoral in every way. How do I know? I run y'all budget, bro. Michigan Democrat warns state troopers after stop for driving drunk, report says. Nothing happened to him. I mean, why would it? He's a Democrat. We have two different sets of laws now. The administration 
and those that oppose the administration. The FBI works for the administration. That's why Capitol rioters are in their rooms, 23 out of 24, like Gitmo, and BLM rioters who did way more damage and murdered people, literally, and actually damaged, burned shit, were armed. Whereas the Capitol rioters weren't. And they're all back on the street. But if you talk to a never-Trumper, it's still Trump. Thus, this was Trump, and it's Pearl Harbor. This is, well, people are going to do something like Nancy Pelosi. So, I really want to play this. It's a shitty recording because I had a screen cap. But if you haven't signed up for Fox Nation, I know I'm a Tucker guy. This series, the opening frames, so I'm going to warn you, are fucking shocking. We've obtained exclusive surveillance footage from cameras located throughout the city of Chicago. The pictures you're about to see are very graphic. In some cases, they're horrifying. None of it is staged. There are no recreations. We advise discretion when you watch it. I'm afraid I don't go outside. It has been a violent weekend in Chicago. A really violent weekend here in the city of Chicago. Bitch ass can't stop me, dumbass. Yeah, right out the hospital. My concern is. My safety, my daughter. The safety of your families and your neighborhoods should transcend politics. And that started at the top with Kim Fox. She keeps letting it. Nearly three million people live in the city of Chicago. Thanks to soaring crime rates, the population is dropping fast. This isn't random violence. Good evening. It's the consequence of bad policy brought to Chicago by Cook County Prosecutor Kim Fox. Carjackings across Chicago have more than doubled and are becoming increasingly violent. Kim Fox was elected with more than $2 million in cash from billionaire George Soros. She's engaged like all these big city prosecutors that came up through Soros. Martin Pribe is a beat cop who currently serves the Chicago Police Department. They're engaged in a, a very clear process of turning the police into criminals and turning the criminals into folk groups. Sometimes our defendants were victims and our victims defendants. I, I believe she's part of the anti-police movement. She's very, uh, very tied ideologically and I think policy-wise with Black Lives Matter and Antifa. And I think she's out to get the police. What Ms. Fox has done and the office under her direction is basically become an advocacy office for criminal defendants. I haven't seen that since war. But I mean, the data's there. It's everywhere. We don't even report it anymore. That's the thing that's so fucking sad about. We don't even report the amount of carnage. Statistical Chicago. 
Um, domestic violence, murders, annual reports. Uh, let's just do an annual report. 2019. Man, I, I got this. It's open source. Uh, Department of Success, crime. Uh, let's go down, sorry. Uh, this isn't what I was hoping for. Homicides. Criminal, rape, aggravated assault, battery, human trafficking. These numbers are fucking insane. Just by district, it's insane. By district. Overall, each precinct has numerous murders. I mean, total homicides, 2019 Chicago. With more than 500 homicides, tracking Chicago homicide victims. I covered this on the show. In Chicago, 177 people have been killed this year. That is 32 more than 2020. How about 2018? It's insane. These numbers are insane. It's a war zone. And nobody cares. Nobody covers it. We're still... Talking about the few cops. Washington Post. Officer involved shooting 2021. They do the top... And they say 988 people have been shot and killed by police in the past year. Most victims are young male. Shootings that happen across the country. Search the database. Doesn't even come close to what's happened in Chicago. Doesn't even come close to what's happened in Chicago. Doesn't. Just one city. One blue city. But they don't care. They just don't care. It's not about facts. It's not about truth. And the worst part, I understand BLM. I understand racists like Tlaib, Omar, fucking Waters, Don Lemon, Sharpton, Tennessee Coates, Abram X, Hannah Jones. These people hate Whitey. If I can hate them, they're the guy I live next door to. But if we're going into a world where stabity, stabity, stabity is something we want, let them burn. I'll end my show every day with this. Let them fucking burn. Let all those cities burn. Fuck them. You don't want crime. You want illegal immigration where they hack motherfuckers up. That's fine. Let them be that way. We're incompatible right now. 
There is a vast majority of the, a plurality of this country, 80% don't want defunding, they don't want mass immigration, they don't want a 51st state, they don't want to get against the filibuster, they don't want the climate change changes, they don't want anything he did. He never got a fucking mandate, he's got a media mandate. The media will push anything these people say and say it what's best for America or what Americans want, even this, the lie about background checks. We already have background checks. The question on every survey is, are you for universal background checks? Yes. And then they inflate it and say, oh, people want it. We already have it. It's called NICS. Other than one gun I bought from a private broker I did a background check. But that's happening in America. And the last time I saw stuff like that happen in America was the L.A. riots. That's racism. Not a cop who saves another kid from getting shanked. Not a cop who does everything he can to de-escalate. And they have to eventually use deadly force. Not a cop who accidentally shoots somebody, negligently discharges their weapon into someone instead of the taser. That's not racism. But while we're pushing all these lies that won't push, why did that perfect angel baby not live with their mom? Why did she scream, I'm going to stab you, bitch? What makes her that way? Why are these kids roaming the streets getting shot? Why was a 13-year-old shot at 2 o'clock in the fucking morning? Why was he holding a gun? Where are the fucking parents? They all show up for the cameras. They all show up when Sharpton and Crump show up. And if I, once again, was a black person, I don't give a fuck that I'm not supposed to say those words. If Sharpton, Jackson, and Crump showed the fuck up at my funeral, I'd shoot them myself. They leech off the loss of black families. And they do nothing to improve their lives. You could say Donald Trump was a racist because of some fucking proportional hiring, firing, renting... The numbers don't lie. Improved black lives through jobs, Latino lives through jobs. He did more than Biden's doing. Because all Biden will do is his $15 an hour and mass immigration and climate racism correcting. You got to have a fucking electric job. It's put more black people on welfare. And I think that's what they want. They don't want black people thinking. They don't want them to have their own ideas. They want them to be fucking sheep and to be herded until they've used them up. And then the majority will be Latino after he redoes the fucking demographics with 30 million that are already living here and already migrated here in the last two years or this part of the year and then it'll be all Latino. Fuck you black people. We used you. We don't care about systemic racism anymore. We don't understand why America's national fucking language is is Spanish. Why is it not Spanish? The national religion has to be the Catholicism now. Our national ditch has to be this. We must get rid of the American flag and make it like the Mexican flag. 
You'll see him come up with all sorts of new shit. And black people are smart because you saw that Latino grade school stuff. It's two black people instead of white people now. It's just a grievance industry that makes a lot of money for people who usually have no care in the world about the people they're talking about. They're just tools in their kit to make money and to win elections. But I gotta say it. I said all this would happen. Just a dumbass, uneducated idiot in his basement said Donald Trump was better than this. Because Donald Trump couldn't do anything. If even he wanted to do something extreme, he couldn't. They wouldn't even let him build a wall. The very people that voted for building walls through fucking 800 years in Congress, Pelosi and fucking Biden, all of a sudden were against it. When they were for it, but they were against it and for it, against it and for it, whenever they needed the votes. That poll at the end, that's the perfect summation between liberals and conservatives. When we care about a policy, we're caring for the outcome of the policy. Whereas libs just care about the power that will be acquired with the policy. Do you think AOC gives two fucking chucks that a 13-year-old girl, girl the very same day that this Micaiah Wright was trying to stab a bitch got shot, got stabbed by a bitch? She don't care. That's how far they'll go. Defending shanking. So this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Go to foppodcast.com to get all episodes, either past or current, from the website. Share with your family and friends. And don't forget to send comments. If you want segments to send some comment suggestions using foppodcast.com. Disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah yeahs and tune back in. We're going to go with a Wednesday, 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 28th, April, year of our Lord, 2021, for our next podcast. As always, thanks for listening. Take care.